a complex world brimming with new ambitions, the best leaders create the best workplaces. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers Podcast, where you can hear real stories about digital capabilities and a culture of empowerment with your host, Joanne Meyer. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Global Network's Digital Doers Podcast. And just as the, the guy said, this is Joanne Meyer, your host. And this is going to be a little different uh, episode today. Um, it's, a, it's an exciting one for me. Um, so, um, But before we get into that, uh, first thing I want to do is just remind you and to say uh, thank you to the Oil & Gas Global Network team that uh, makes the podcasts available to all of you um, so you can listen to them. Also, I'm going to be sure and thank our sponsor, HPE. And HPE um, is had, has the, the largest, widest portfolio of on-premise cloud services and over 12 years of consumption-based experience. And if you haven't had a chance, go to their website or maybe reach out to someone and actually have a conversation with them. Um, what they're what they're very focused on, they they have a new platform or a relatively new pa- platform called GreenLake, and it's all about bringing that cloud to you wherever your apps and your your data live. Uh, also about simplifying um, IT management. There are key features like the ability to manage and configure from a single location all of your shared services and assets across your entire IT inventory. You can track, comprehensively track the consumption to be sure that um, the investments that you've made in various technologies um, are actually being used in your organization and utilized as you as you expected. So uh, go take a look or t- take a look or uh, get it, reach out to uh, somebody at HPE and learn a little more about how they can help you get the very most from your technology investments. And then, of course, last but certainly not least is I want to say thank you to all of you who have joined uh, me and listened to some of the episodes, or maybe all of them, I hope, um, over the last five months. And if you have listened to all of them, that would be 20. Um, last week, we delivered our 20th episode for Digital Doers that was hosted, that has been hosted by me. There were episodes, certainly, hosted by the very talented Michael O'Sullivan before he handed the baton off to me in in April. Uh, But for me, it's been 20 episodes and a lot of learning. Um, I've spent over 30 years, probably closer to 40 years, in the oil and gas industry. You know, I've done everything from, well, being aroused about one year when I was an intern while I was in college uh, you know, till I was a senior vice president and and led uh, organizations, offshore and onshore organizations um, of producing properties. Um, so done a lot of different things in the industry. But it's been interesting to me these last five months uh, to look back and think about what I've heard from many different 
people in the oil and gas industry, and also to listen to them uh, discuss the challenges that the industry is experiencing now and how maybe that's changed over time. And then also all of the exciting uh, ways that they are trying to help the industry meet these challenges and and uh, be innovative um, about going forward and how different this future is probably going to be for this industry. Um, and so what I want to do today is spend just a few minutes. It's not going to be as long as many of the other episodes, but I want to talk a little bit. I want to provide a bit of a guide, an index to what we've actually done the past five months. We won't hit on every episode, oh, but about half, maybe a little less than half. And some of the big themes, the that that the recurring uh, topics that come up, um, and maybe it's a way for you if there's a particular topic of interest to you, um, for you to be able to say, oh, well, it might be interesting if I go and check out this episode. And so that's what I'm going to do for the next few minutes here is talk a little bit about what I've learned um, over these last five months, and and maybe be able to point you in the direction of where you could go and, and learn a little more about a topic that is of interest to you. So just like the name says, the digital doers, certainly we've, we've talked a lot about digital capabilities and about technology um, on the, in the last five months. And things like, like I said, I'm not going to hit on all of them, but I'm, I'm going to capture a, a few here. You know, if uh, in, in episode 54, we talked with Vicki Knott, who was the CEO and one of the co-founders of an organization called Crux, C-R-U-X-O-C-M. And this is basically a digital co-pilot to be used in an industrial control room. So in particular, um, Vicki and her organization are, are doing and focused, I think, right now on kind of major pipelines and the the control rooms and the control operators and how technology can help them be more efficient, uh, maybe more reliable, reduce some of the variability, um, and and uh, make it a little more of a fulfilling uh, work for the the operators. So if you have any interest, if that sounds interesting to you, check out episode fifty four. We then moved on to something which uh, I think has a lot of people's interest these days. In episode 59, we talked with um, Ariel Aviton about autonomous drones, in particular a, a drone in a box. And I was quite surprised to, and he's the co-founder of um, an organization called Percepto. And I was quite surprised to see all of the different applications for drones these days. I, I knew a lot about monitoring and maybe, you know, doing some reconnaissance on, on, um, uh, inaccessible, uh, pieces of equipment, but they're doing a, a great deal more than that. Um, certainly collecting data and doing monitoring, but also, uh, playing a big role in project management, um, and, and being able to take inventory and, and, and track progress so I thought that was uh, really interesting. So if you've got any uh, applications or interest in drones, that's um, 
episode 59. In episode 66, we had the past president and CEO of Reveal Energy Services. His name was Cash, Kashakar. And he talked about um, the, the services and the technology that Reveal Energy had for measuring fracturing, where it went, how long it is and far it is, and um, and also the implications that has on completions and interpreting um, what what is going on, what happened, you know, miles below the ground uh, where you've you've completed your wells. So that's a you know pretty true and that you know the truest sense technological sense for oil and gas. But it was really interesting. He also has an interesting story and a really inter- a really good perspective on how he helped reveal, he and his team were able to manage through the big downturns that uh, the company is only six or so years old, but we've had some tough times. And so what happens when uh, the demand for oil falls so greatly and that's your customer? It's very interesting to see how as a, an entrepreneur, they managed um, through that. And he has a great message there. If we go back, uh, even back into April, in episode 48, um, I talked with David Powell, who's the president of Protoscore, and um, Jason Wright, who's the CEO of Avatar Computer Solutions. And that was on a very interesting and timely topic because, of course, we're hearing a lot about the desire by many for remote work. And we also are hearing how many companies are struggling with that and leaders and, and how do you manage through that and how do you have confidence um, that the productivity is where it needs to be. So Protoscore has this employee productivity monitoring solution and platform. And they talk a lot about how that can be used not only um, to help you decide, you know, whether or not your folks are working when they should be, but also to understand how you might be able to help your folks that are maybe working too much. You know, the last thing I think anyone wants these days is to lose good employees because they're burned out. So how can you use something like an employee productivity monitoring tool to actually help you, um, you know, help your employees get that good balance and to be sure that uh, that they aren't burning out as well. So I thought that was a, a really interesting that the Jason and, and David have some great conversations around that on that episode. In episode 56, I talked with um, Brian Glover, who's the president and CEO of Honeywell, their universal oil products section or division. And Brian in particular was, was uh, very uh, proud of and, and uh, excited and talking about the sustainable aviation fuel that one of the Honeywell processes, I think it's Echofine, uses um, and and how they are making sustainable aviation fuel. And if you've studied any at all, um, or keep up with the news even, you may have heard that, that aviation fuel, uh, the aviation industry, is one of the toughest nuts to crack around this energy transition and uh, lowering 
the carbon footprint. And the demand for aviation services is skyrocketing, to use an appropriate term perhaps. Um, And this is going to be a very tough uh, challenge to actually lower the carbon footprint of flight. And uh, uh, Brian not only talks about that, but he talks about some of the other um, sustainable sustainability challenges that they are trying to help their, uh, their, uh, clients use and, 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 uh, um, and even something around recycling, which, so he has a, a lot of, as you can imagine, he's had 35 years with Honeywell. And so you can imagine he's got a lot of insight and all, I think over 60 patents. So he was very knowledgeable around some of the big challenges that are facing all of us around sustainability, lowering the carbon footprint, and had uh, some really interesting uh, technical solutions to discuss. So, you know, if that is of interest to you, uh, episode 56. And while we're on the topic of kind of sustainability, there was a recurring theme that came up over and over again. Um, And I think one of my... uh, Uh, guests actually even said that as they talk to their clients, ESG, environmental, social, and governance, that topic is such a huge focus for the oil and gas industry today. And uh, you might be able to understand why. There were a couple of other um, guests on the podcast that had some really interesting services and perspectives on this um, ESG topic and the energy transition. In episode 52, I spoke with Dr. Sangwon Kim, and he's the partner and the energy practice leader for Strategic Decision Group. Now, this is an organization that helps people and companies, executives, make better decisions. Um, you know, I, I think Dr. Kim's PhD from Stanford is on making good decisions and, and, you know, good can mean a lot of different things to a lot of people, but certainly in today's, uh, environment, today's society, there is a huge, uh, demand for transparency in decision-making, you know, particularly with kind of some of the low trust, environment that we find ourselves in, you know, key stakeholders, they want to understand why did you decide to do that? So SDG, Strategic Decision Group, that's what their process is all about. That's what their expertise is in, is helping companies, you know, use a very um, disciplined approach to understanding and optimizing the risk around decision-making. Um, and to be able to have defensible decisions, be able to clearly understand why you chose one path over the other. And the reason I think that's so important today, and Dr. Kim certainly says that, I, I, uh, is, and this is a quote from him, that the decisions that oil and gas leaders are making today are fundamentally changing very rapidly. And in particular, he talks about the fact that there was a time when we talked about strategic planning and we looked at five years out. And he talks about the fact that today in the oil and gas industry, 
not exclusively in the oil and gas industry, but certainly in the oil and gas industry, we have people that are wanting decisions to be made about being net zero in 2050 or 2040. And so that time horizon is, you know, three and four times, maybe more, greater than the five-year strategic planning that we that we all used to do. Um, and so I think the work that uh, Dr. Kim and his company are doing um, is going to be increasingly important um, as we as people struggle with trying to understand the risks um, or even considering what risks might be out there 10, 15, 20 years and more from now. In episode 57, I talked with Ashley Zumwalt Forbes. Now, Ashley is um, um, uh, uh, a natural resources entrepreneur, I think is the best way. Started in oil and gas, but she has been involved in uh, getting funding for, planning, deploying, um, acquiring um, all kinds of businesses around uh, electrification metals, rare earth minerals, uh, and then some uh, natural gas uh, resources as well. But she's been involved with global battery metals mining companies, and those are some that she uh, established, um, founded, and then led. What's so interesting is to hear from her the global perspective around this energy transition, and not just the energy transition, but our lives today, and how dependent we are on certain rare earth minerals for our cell phones and our laptops and any of our computing capability, in addition to uh, electric vehicles. And then, of course, there is the electrification metals that are so important in battery production. She talks a lot about the different kinds of, of uh, comp- companies and ind- all that are part of this industry, but she has a really uh, very informed uh, uh, position on how the Western world, the U.S. certainly, and the Western world more, more broadly, how they're f- not doing a great job of thinking strategically about what's going to be needed as we make this energy transition or we continue to live our lives the way we do today. She drops a little um, statistic that says that China controls upwards of 95% of all of the rare earth minerals in the world. And those rare earth minerals are needed not only for batteries, but as I said, for laptops, um, cell phones, uh, and many other uh, 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 tools that we use, uh, you know, that have the the chips in them. Um, it's, It's a little scary to think about that, but it was a really great perspective to hear her discuss um, everything in that kind of space. And so those were, you know, kind of some of the technology related conversations that we had. I would be remiss if I didn't say that we had a lot of conversation around people and culture. 
and how that all plays into the digital transformation. When I took the baton from Michael, one of the things I said is, absolutely, I want to talk a lot about digital capabilities and technology. I also want to explore how leadership, culture, intersect with technology, because that's such a big part of getting, number one, even getting uh, your, your folks to adopt technology. And on the other side of that, actually being able to generate and to capture the value that does come from this technology. It's, you know, it's, it's all about the people. People have got to use it. And so we talked about the digital transformation and about the people and the culture. In episode 50, I talked with Adam Ballard. He's a data scientist. He was with BP years ago. Now he's actually at Hess. Um, He's the technology advisor for their autonomous field of the future. And, you know, he talks uh, about, you know, some of the challenges. He talks about the data. He talks about the experiences that he has had um, in trying to help companies move through and become more digitally mm, uh, more digitally excited and more digitally capable. Um, in episode 51, we kind of built on that a little bit, and I had Bob Palermo. He was a pa- he's a past vice president of enterprise architecture and performance excellence at Shell. And he also he talked about, you know, just to be very real, because uh, Bob's been doing this for many years, it's hard. And so for leaders that think they can put the plan in place and, you know, walk away and it's going to operate, you know, on automatic, it's just not the case. It's very hard. And he also talks about the importance of not getting so set um, on the end point that you are not aware of the uh, yellow lights and the red flags that might be coming at you as you go on a digital transformation journey. And he quotes actually a colleague of both of ours. Uh, his name was Lance Reed. And it speaks to this, uh, the, the downfall or the pitfalls associated with thinking about digital transformation as a project or even a bunch of projects. And he said that Lance told him one time, you can't build the wrong thing well enough and fast enough to make it right. And so Bob talks a lot about, uh, in, in episode 51, about the need to be conscious and thoughtful as you go through this and, and be willing, willing to make adjustments as needed. Then in episode 60, I talked with Ted Grabowski. Ted is the president um, of Texas Brine Company. And he is leads an organization um, that demonstrates so clearly this notion that w- we all like to throw around, which is that people are our most valuable asset. If you interacted with Ted and Texas Brine Company and other companies under the Texas United Management umbrella, um, I think you would feel that you would see that. And so Ted talks about how important, um, 
the culture is and treating your people like they are valued. And then he talks about how they are using technology to actually help this organization hold each other accountable for um, doing what they said they were for keeping their process, uh, their promises for doing what they say they're going to do. So it's a, a really, uh, he's got a lot of, uh, lot of, uh, experience and some really great insights on leadership and, uh, culture and technology. And then in episode 63, um, I talked with a gentleman by the name of Jim Crompton and Jim is going to be a little hard to, to characterize because Jim's done everything. Uh, Jim started out as a geophysicist 40 years ago and he, uh, when he retired from, uh, you know, global oil and gas, he, uh, went over and did some consulting and now he's in academia. He's a professor at the Colorado school of mines. Um, and he talks about this history of digital transformation. He's been helping the oil and gas companies along this for 40 years. And he's broken it down into four stages. It's really interesting to get his perspective. One of the things he talks about is how there's been a, there was a challenge 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20, and it's still with us today. And it's a little, it's around siloed thinking and how difficult he says he thinks it is for many of us in the oil and gas industry to think horizontally. Um, and part of that reason, he says, is because we don't have a common language. And these, in between these various uh, functions and departments, um, we don't have a common language, which goes back to data and how important and the fact that uh, many times that, that um, you know, uh, gets us caught up um, uh, because we don't have that, uh, that common, a well to a driller and a well to a res reservoir engineer and a well to an operator might mean three very different things. Uh, and so it's very interesting to listen to Jim on, uh, in episode 63. It's interesting also that, um, Jim as being at, a, at a, a university, of course, he gets a good sense of this. And Jim also talks about the fact that he's a digital immigrant. He's not a digital native. And so last but not least, the other uh, topic or theme that came up over and over again had to do with the younger generations, let's call them the digital natives, and how they feel about the workplace, in particular, in particular the oil and gas industry. So there were a couple of young folks um, in episode 66, I talked with a young man by the name of Io Lawrence, and I was quite in, uh, uh, intrigued to hear him talk about, and a little light even went on for me, around the difference in the way the younger generation, the digital natives, how they think about digital capabilities and technology versus how I have always thought of it. And it's this notion that they, that they don't look at technology as something to use to solve a problem. They kind of look at technology. They might want it to solve a problem, but there's also another piece, which is when they see a new technology, they want to explore. They want to use it so they can be able to understand what it might be able to do. If we've got this new capability, how does that help us 
in what we we currently do today. Maybe before we've even realized that there's uh, a, uh, something more, uh, something better uh, that could be optimized or more efficient or more effective. If you've got the technology, let's go explore the technology a little bit and help that understanding that capability, what can that help us do better? As opposed to, I think my generation and certainly me, which is often saying, oh, here's a problem. Let me go find a technology to solve this problem. And then way back in episode 49, I talked with a good friend of mine. His name is Ayula, John Muyua. And his take about some of the challenges of younger folks being in the large corporations and in the oil and gas space is around speed and agility. Um, Ayula left the oil and gas industry after, after just a year and a half and went to big tech. And he said it was really interesting while he, while he was with, um, you know, the big oil and gas company, they talked a lot about technology. They talked a lot about the digital transformation. They talked about what needs to be done. He said, when I got to the big tech companies, nobody talks about it because everybody's just doing it. He said, you know, he can understand how in the big oil and gas companies, there's the, the, the risk that's tolerable um, associated with, you know, building a new platform and, you know, putting it offshore, there's a very little, very small margin of error that, that can be tolerated. Unfortunately, he thinks that the big companies, they have that same mindset as they're running IT projects. And there's not the same uh, consequence of, uh, of experiencing uh, something unintended. The risk is not the same. And unfortunately, you know, what happens is if we manage those IT projects, um, we talk about it and decide what we're going to do. And then we get together and say, well, who's going to do what, when, and then, and then the next time we get together and say, well, now let's be sure and go over this project again. And who's going to do what? And you talk about it and you plan and you plan and you're two years down the road, um, as opposed to just being much quicker here, we're going to do this. Let's do it. Let's put it out there. Oh, it's wrong. Okay. Let's make a change. And so he was trying to say, he feared that, that, that was causing some challenges for the young people wanting to stay in the big companies. So that's, um, actually I went longer than I thought, but I hope that's a little bit of an index and a guide. Um, if any of those topics are of interest, I've given you the, the episode numbers and I look forward, we've got some exciting things coming. Uh, about what we're going to do and who we're going to talk to in the next 20 episodes. So with that, I'm going to say thank you again to the OGGN team that uh, that makes this possible. Certainly want to say thank you again to HPE and encourage you to go take a look and, and have some conversations and see how these folks can help you um, get access to your data easier, um, your applications easier, faster, uh, more accessible so you can um, and can uh, can start using that to 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 get you to meet to to reach your goals, and then of course thank thank you to you for the last twenty episodes. And uh, please don't uh, hesitate to reach out. You can reach me at joanne.meyer at oggn.com. And so with that, I will sign off. Bye bye. 
Come back next week for another venture into the real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.